Today's guest is Brenton Payne, a boy from Bacchus Marsh who's been through it all in his football journey. He talks us through the death of a teammate when he was 15 years of age, as well as being drafted and delisted by St Kilda, and then winning a flag up at Southport in the Neeful. We had a lot of fun recording with him. Hopefully you all have as much fun listening. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another week of Beer with Mates. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Calvito. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this week, special week, we've brought in a good friend of ours, Brenton Bobblehead Payne. <laughs> <laughs> Brenton, you're, you're very, um, well, you've had a very good football career thus far. You're still very young. Not very, but <laughs> we're getting old as we go, but... Um, you grew up in the back smash area and um your you sort of had the deal with your dad who was a football person he was around football all the time coaching everything like that and your grandfather who was a two-time premiership player at the dons hence the um the essendon supporting so um what was that like what was that your transition to football like yeah, well, I suppose I grew up with a footy in my hand, <laughs> and there was no choice. It was red or black, red and black, or nothing at all. So, just bombers all the way, and then grew up pretty much at the Melton Footy Club. My dad's won a few premierships at Melton, coached there for a couple of years, and obviously had par as well yeah. with footy. So, there's definitely a lot of football pedigree in the family. So. Yeah. He um he also went out to your dad also went out and coached North as well. What was that like? Yeah, different couple of years they just come into the BFL at that stage. I think yeah. so. They were still pretty new and had a lot of young kids and those young kids went on to win a couple of flags from North City eventually down the track. So. Yeah. Any um any cool stuff at your grandparents' place? A couple of premiership medallions that you've um, played with when you were younger. I don't think they got medals back then. We got one of these premiership jumpers at home in the shed, just hanging up there. And there's a couple of other life membership jumper at his place and a few other things. So, as well as the um, he led the goal kicking when he was eighteen. Yes. Does he does he mention that? No. <laughs> bring up here and now and then. So. Yeah. They went from a full forward in sixty five or sixty two actually, and then sixty five was playing back pocket. So. He's oh. Dumb, dumb that's a fall from grace that's a fall from grace from full forward to the back <laughs> um yeah i just wanted to touch on as well because i'm a don supporter as well and you're very similar age to me it's been quite a hard probably two decades as a don supporter i guess we had success in the early 2000s but we do see that counter of um days without a finals win just keep on going up how hard has it been the last two decades being a Don supporter? Well, what have been like five when we won the 2000 grand final. Yeah. So, don't really remember it. <laughs> I don't think we've won a final since. <laughs> so, you... it's been tough going as an Essendon supporter, that's for sure. Growing up, um, who was your football hero? Uh, Lloydie, Matty Lloydie. Lloydie? Big bags, big 
strong man. <laughs> good player, Lloydy. Very good oh, player. Have him out of the square. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd probably be one of the best full forwards of the last yeah. 25, 30 years. He's absolute gun. Um, and then you started playing your junior footy where? Started at Melton on nines. I reckon it was probably under-14s. First year under-14s, I came to Backus Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Under-14s, yeah, though. We were just talking off-air about how um, when we were 14-year-olds, Chris Stooldry used to just absolutely just put us through our work. And oh, yeah. The stuff we... You couldn't do that in a pre-season today. No. Just the old 1K time trials into Schumer's push-ups. No, um, no fun for kids nowadays. The um, under-12s training sessions that would go an hour long. Yeah. It was just... It was fun. It was, they, they were fun at the time. <laughs> the fittest but, I've ever been. Yeah, well, it's only downhill from <laughs> And hence your hair, which is... Ollie's just walked in with um, bleached hair and it's disgusting. Yeah, I've decided because I've recently moved to the city um, to take a very different approach with my style. Uh, I think I'm probably a couple of days away from the uh, non-prescription clear lens glasses. Oh, no. <laughs> latte oh, oh, mate, love a good latte. Chai latte or... That doesn't count. Mate, Melbourne is known for the cafes. Chai latte doesn't count. Um, into now your under-16s. So um, 2011, you're um, second on the ladder. Was it second? You're thereabouts. You're thereabouts. Qualifying final. Yeah, North are undefeated at the time. Qualifying final. Um, and then your great mate and a teammate of yours, Nathan Prince, fell to the ground. Um, very, very unsuspicious sort of incident. Um, what were your rememberings of that moment? Yeah, it's such a tough day. And even now, I still get a bit teary over it. It's just, I don't know, we are doing so well. We're all on top of North and then happened the other end of the ground to where I was and then... I don't even know, it was just all happened so so quickly. And yeah, before we knew it, the game was off and then it's a pretty crazy couple of weeks, but that day will always be one that's on the calendar for the wrong reasons, I suppose. Yeah. What was that feeling like in the change rooms? Obviously, the parents and stuff were the ones allowed in, but for people like Ollie and I who were on the outer, we didn't really understand what you guys were going through what was that like in the change room straight after oh, silence I think we all just sat there in our little corners in silence and then eventually I think it was I can't remember who Dago's old man my old man and Stooley probably got us all together and just said we'll get through it all not knowing what will happen ultimately what happened will probably change us as young men forever but at that time you know, we were only 15 15 year olds that was pretty confronting with what happened so yeah um, well going back um as a 15 year old to feel grief like that obviously it's going to be hard but can you kind of touch on how you dealt with it personally or how it affected you just so we can get a kind of gauge oh, even now it's still hard to say i suppose it's we still had to go to school. We still had a job to do playing footy. And we, um, we just sort of had to soldier on with not knowing what else was happening, which is all at the forefront of our minds. So it was tough mentally. 
and then by the time we played footy, you were buggered because you just had nothing left in you because you're just so worn out. So yeah, it's, even now it's still hard to say, but at the time it was just worst feeling ever. It was um, something because I wasn't a part of that age group. I came through every second year I played with you, Brenton. Um, but I was in the under 14s at the time, and even as a club, they the footy was like second and like every team we had in finals that year and um, it was let's play footy and then let's go watch the under 16s because you played that game at Sebastopol I think it was to make finals uh, sorry to make the grand final and um, that was as a club I think that's probably the proudest I've been of the club because everyone was there and it was in Ballarat and Ballarat on a Sunday afternoon on in the middle of July it's not exactly the funnest place to be but yeah, as a as a club that was probably the proudest I've been of the club and um, obviously make the grand final actually no before that the, the funeral of Nathan that yeah. would have been difficult yeah. very difficult yeah, that, was, that was a tough day I even remember the day he passed I was get, getting ready for school. I had a missed call from Dago's old man, and then I thought, oh, not sure, so we go to school. And then mum came in and told me, and I was like, oh, you're kidding. And then we all met down at the club rooms for the day, and it was just a crazy day. Like, we knew that was happening. And then I think I was at the funeral, sitting next to Harry King, who mm. plays at Marsh now, and then we just sat there all together, like, oh. And there were so many people there. And, Incredibly sad. Yeah, was very it, difficult situation. Was it made probably even harder by the fact that it was quite a public event? Like there was a lot of media around this and the media were there on the day, the funeral and everything. As a young man, was it hard to deal with everything like that, seeing this stuff on the news? and Yeah, it just constantly brought up the fact that this had happened and you want it to be a dream, but on the news it was there newspapers it was there it was everywhere but so it was the day of the funeral we don't really take into account you know, battling your own demons but yeah it's still tough yeah for sure I guess um, to go on to the grand final you guys obviously ended up getting the win which was a big thing um, how does it feel to really obviously feel this like great sense of elation in the face of grief like with such contradicting things like especially as a young man can you really recall what it felt like to win that oh I actually I can remember probably five seconds of that game because the rest of it I have no idea what happened at all all I remember is Blade Bay getting a 50 metre penalty and kicking a goal and then the silent that's literally all I can remember because it was just such a blur yeah um, like even with that day we were still the underdogs but we were never losing. No, no, not at all. And that was one thing that I don't think any of us will ever see at, especially in junior footy, the, the media that surrounded an under-16 grand final because of an event that no one wanted to take place. So, like, you win the game and it's there's cameras everywhere. There was cameras in the middle of the team song. I remember that and it was unbelievable. So like that, the pressure of that would have been immense, and then it would have been nearly good for you guys mentally once it was all over, like at least the football side of things. 
Yeah, it was, because I mean, it was just such, I suppose, such a big weight off our shoulders, because we sort of, we didn't try to win, we had to win, yeah. it was just what we had to do, and we're in the club rooms here at the Marsh, and there's all stuff everywhere about it, so it's just a nice friendly reminder that yeah. life can be snatched from you, yeah. doing something you love, I suppose, so it's, so yeah. Was he, um, what was he like as a player? Good player. He was, he was at the Jets and he was just ticking along all right. He was coming back from injury in that that final and we were all going, we were well on top that day. And yeah. Prince, he was spotting me down the back here, just stopping everything. So, yeah. so yeah, he was a good player and would have had a very good future as a footballer, that's for sure. Do you think he might have made it? Yeah, well, definitely a chance. He had all, the, he had the right skills and. Now, when you look back at that sort of that month block of your life, what was Doug like, Doug Hawkins, as a leader and just as basically a, a coach and a mate, basically? Yeah, pretty much, he went from our coach to pretty much our father. So you know, I always endear myself to Hawk, and whenever I see each other, it's not a handshake, it's a hug. Mm-hmm. Just because of what we went through, so especially in sort of my football journey, Hawks been been awesome for me and gave me my first senior footy game at the Marsh. I can't remember how old I was, 16, 17 maybe. So yeah, I'm going to be able to repay Hawk for what he's done my life and football career. So I was just talking before the uh, podcast. I was talking to the great Daniel Bernucci, who was outside, and <laughs> he um, he actually recalled your first game at the Marsh. He said this big, skinny, tall kid at full forward. We didn't know what to do with him, but we knew something was going to happen that was going to be good. So um, yeah, obviously you can thank Doug for your first game. Yeah, and thanks all. Yeah, um, I was just going to quickly, just before we close that chapter, just. Ask, do you reckon an event like that has really changed the way you view football or the way your love of the game at all? Has it negatively, positively affected the way you view uh, the game? I think it shows that there's more to life than footy, mm. especially when there's life and death involved. It sort of does put a damper on why you play the game, and I suppose a lot of us thought, is it worth it? I suppose, but we got a job to do. So. And just quickly, obviously because grieving is a part of a lot of people's lives, unfortunately. For someone, say, that young, is there any advice you'd give for them if they're grieving? Uh, just be with your family, be with your friends, and if you are struggling, just talk, because it's a hell of a lot harder fighting it by yourself mm. when you can be with other people who are feeling the exact same, so that's what probably made it a lot easier for me. We had footy club pretty much yeah. embrace us so yeah they looked after us really well one of the positive things obviously there is no positive out of coming like a situation like that but the media attention did then cause a change with the defibs at local yeah. football yeah, right. which is a positive thing to happen out of it um, and you, you can see there's, there's one just in the corner over here and you sort of know that it, that situation is because of like Nathan and yeah. and that that is hard, but it's it is a positive to come out of a, a bad situation. 
Um, yeah, well, I guess as a very talented sports player, you've really had to come up with the kind of decision-making between cricket and footy at one stage because you played a very high level of them. How did you really decide that footy was probably going to beat cricket in the end? Oh, I think footy probably got chosen for me because it was probably the one moment the penny dropped was Western Jets exit meeting bottom age. Mm. And the coach then, Tom Baker, said, if I want to choose footy, I need to pull my finger out of my ass and <laughs> choose one or the other. So, yeah, I chose footy, so that's pretty much how it happened. And it's a quick decision, but... So, well, we'll get to your footy in a bit, but with your cricket, where did you really take it? Because I know you went probably Central Highlands and stuff, but did you ever get close to, say, Victorian rep or...? Yeah, so, yeah, a lot of Central Highlands cricket and a fair bit of big stuff, just sort of trying out, but then that coincided with footy, so I sort of yeah. contradicted myself with footy and cricket, so definitely could have played with the Carnivals. But again, footy got in the way, so they're trying to balance tack up footy and state triads at the MCG. It was all sort of intertwining one another, so so yeah, it was getting pretty tough at that age where they where you've got a decision to make. So so yeah, that cricket's always been pretty big. Yeah. So it was quite a hard decision to make to walk away from cricket. Yeah, very tough because I could have seen a future playing cricket. But unfortunately, I went. Well, not unfortunately. I went the footy path, and yeah, it's um, paid off. Yeah. Um, do you see you being a different position, being in a very different position now? If you'd chosen cricket, you feel like you could have gone further with cricket than you did with footy. Oh, I still ask myself this question. Yeah. On a constant basis with everything, but oh, I don't know. Could be up there bowling with Mitchie Stark. Yeah, well, wouldn't you have that short window to sort of make it? So I had to sort of take that one now. Only 23, but still be toiling away, coming at cricket. States, but state cricket, but yeah, I'm not sure. But it would be nice. It'd be nice to know where I would have ended up if it was cricket, but it wasn't. I guess before we um, close the chapter on cricket, may as well talk about probably a great two-week moment that happened here earlier this year. We're in the club rooms looking out across the ground where you took a huge amount of wickets against Rupert's Wood. Was it Rupert? When we... Um, what was it? You took three wickets in your first seven balls. Don't ask me. I was in the threes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was running around with Rosie in the threes. What were your stats that day? Uh, I got 50 with the bat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then... 45, 45 minutes we rolled Rupo for 40 40 odd uh, fourth over the hat trick oh, so. yeah. keeping in mind this isn't a salad dweller team this is a team that oh, yeah. was third on the ladder yeah we kicked them out of finals yeah. by our yeah. Yeah. didn't make the finals so yeah. outright, so. and then obviously going on from a high of that and then to the next week we're in a semi-final we're top we're versing fourth we disappoint with the bat and then we come in and we've got a nine for 123, and we made 123. Um, obviously, you didn't take the wicket, but does this one beat the week before? Yeah. Getting that wicket, 
Dallas. Getting the draw, getting us through. Pure scenes. Oh. It's unbelievable. You I mean, see, you got fifty guys running around at the cricket <laughs> oval, blokes who didn't play, Beautiful blokes who were associated, but just to make a grand final, that was that was pretty cool. I think the club will always remember that oh, game. Yeah. If you're enjoying this chat that Ollie and I are having with Brenton Payne, don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at BeersWithMates. Now let's get back to it. Obviously, your time at Western Jets was reasonably successful. Um, you played with a lot of now good AFL players, um, but thinking about being drafted, you had Duggo and Rainbow, two boys that you were a part of that flag with Doug, and um, also the um, just from the same club. That's that's so rare to have three boys from one club get drafted. What was that like? Yeah, well. Very exciting for them, because then well, Duggan's like, had a premiership player at the Eagles, ticking along in nearly nearly at a hundred games. He's making a real, real career out of himself over there. And Rainbow was just a bit stuck for opportunity at Carlton, but he's still a very good player in his own right. Yeah, he had a, he had a lot of good VFL games, yeah. Rainbow and. There was, if you ever go back and look at those stats, that you could make an argument that he should have been given an opportunity to play. Yeah, that's right. And I think, if not another club, pick him up as well because there's yeah. plenty of X factor with him. So, like, yeah. yeah. But he's he was successful in his own way. He did end up winning a flag at Port Melbourne as well. Yeah, yeah, that's which, right. Which um, I saw him the other day. He was playing golf. Yeah, but <laughs> yesterday playing golf at Melton. But um, yeah, he um, he was successful in his own way. Um, talk us through your national carnival. Uh, so I, missed, I didn't play the first game, so that was country and metro. But they had like a sort of a seconds game on, and I, I played pretty well in that. And then I went on play the next five metro games, and we got beaten by South Australia in the last game. At, Skilled stadium for the championship. So then in SA had some good players. Caleb Daniel running around. Dominated that yeah, carnival. He, like he, he won the medal, I think. Yeah. Best player, yeah, he dominated that. I can't remember who else they had, but some good players. And we, I think we had probably some better players. Yeah. But they just got us on the day. But, yeah, two really good sides. It was yeah, blowing a gale down there too, so it was... Oh yeah, footy. down at the Cattery. It's always uh, it's always windy down there. Um, and then draft time comes around. You've done all your testing and everything like that through the combines. Um, you were passed on through the national draft. Obviously, that's the the goal to get drafted in that. Um, what was that like? What was that couple of days like between the national draft and the rookie draft like for you? Uh, at the time, it was like oh, you, you pricks. Like, <laughs> The club sort of gave some real good interest and then get a donut on the um, yeah. national draft night. We just sort of had a few inklings that some clubs might take me late and then nothing happened. And I just thought, oh. I still I just walked out walked out the front, cracked the shits and... Yeah. Fair enough, too. Next, yeah. Ring the next three, or the day after at least. I mean, I cried most of the day. I was just... Yeah. That's all I wanted, and it just didn't happen. And I didn't know what I was going to do, so it was a pretty chaotic couple of days. 
Yeah, and that's um, that's pretty difficult as well. Obviously, with the expectations of basically everyone telling you you're going to get drafted as well, that don't necessarily know what the recruiters know, but just the outside world going, he should be picked up. And then if you don't, it's it, it would have been pretty hard to deal with that. Yeah, it was. I mean, get sucked into reading like footy journals, like fan <laughs> drive names there somewhere. So surely I might get picked up somewhere. And then obviously those people have got no pull on the recruiters. Yeah. So yeah. you just get sucked in a little bit. And so, then yeah. um, rookie draft comes around. Yeah, into the 30s. Um, what was that like with your name being called out? Well, I think it... Once it got to, like, 20, I thought, oh, this is not happening. I walked outside and, again, cracked the shits. And then, but Dad was still inside. Cause it was just on the iPad yep. electronically. And he just yelled out, off to the Saints. And then that afternoon was pretty crazy because all the last three days, I mean sulking and sucking yeah. just means nothing because I finally got what I wanted mm. and then um, obviously you've been taken to St Kilda uh, drafted by St Kilda and um, what's that transition like a lot of people don't know from because you were just finished school basically and um, what's that like from that second you get your name read out to joining the group how hectic is that period Oh, well, for me, I got picked up on a Thursday, I think. And by Saturday, I was in Queenstown, New Zealand, just straight on a camp. And going over there, knowing nobody. Mm. It definitely felt like I was out of my depth, that's for sure, because I had known nobody. And then 10 days later, got your little groups and worked out who's who and everything so are those camps were that was that like a first to third year thing or was that the whole group yeah full full list was over there with um a few blokes that still over here if they got a couple having children and stuff like that so yeah i'd say 90 percent of the group was over there which is pretty cool that's um that's that's awesome just being thrown in what's it like kind of i guess being thrown into that situation you see all these probably veterans playing for St Kilda and everything you're growing up watching them and then to just go on a camp with them like that and then have to try probably be mates with them do you reckon they accept you to that quickly you definitely you have to earn their trust that's definitely sink or swim environment but you sort of straight away you play against a few blokes I played against Paddy and Hugh Goddard so they sort of we sort of knew each other already Mm. just from playing against each other so you just hang around with your first years and then You all sort of get your groups and people that have the same sort of interests as you. So, yeah, it definitely took took a good month or so to sort of find a place and earn a bit of respect off everybody. Well, I guess you could have you could have kind of a team bonding bus trip out to Wallen, get all the lads <laughs> around it. So you the camp's done. You're back in. Oh, you're out at Seaford at the time. What's that like walking into a locker room? with Nick Rewalt, Montagna, those boys? Yeah, well, I'd grown up pretty much idolising Rui, and he's like, he's there, like, in the flesh. I'm like, oh, I won't lie, I was starstruck, because it's like, this is probably St Kilda's greatest ever player. Yep. And he, he's my captain. Yep. So I was like, oh, how good's this? And then you know, Rui's just a champion, and Rui does what Rui wants. Mm. And just to sort of follow what he does and 
look and learn. It was just awesome. And Joey's one of the all-time good men in football. And I was in New Zealand in November and ran into Joey. We had a good chat. So, yeah, he's... Joey definitely helped me and so did Sam Fisher. Yeah. yeah. I saw a... Um an article today about those boys going over to Las Vegas and partying oh, with um, partying with Katy Perry yeah, and well, David Beckham. David Becks, yeah. Oh, what a life they lived. But yeah, so what was that time at St Kilda like? Do you have any any stories on the boys that would really open your eyes up on their work ethic or anything like that? Yeah, well, I suppose blokes like Jaron Geary and Jack Nunes is now the car, but just how fast they ran for distance like they three k is like nine and a half minutes and under it's just like wow this is so fast and here I am tongue wagging ducks <laughs> busting busting with balls just to try and run a half decent time and these blokes are just fanging around it's pretty crazy but what was it like mentally for you to go from an under 18 sort of work ethic to all of a sudden you're a professional now you have to lift your game as well how do you push yourself mentally to lift yourself yeah that's a good question i think it just sort of you just have to do it you don't have a choice you've just got to do it you follow instructions and uh, like structures and just all those sort of team meetings it's just how you learn you just follow blokes as well. You just watch and you take so much in. You sort of just, it becomes natural. Do you have a, like a favourite memory from just being at St Kilda? Oh, got a heap of free shit, which was the best. <laughs> <laughs> I a pair of shoes and clothes, so that was pretty good. And, oh, I don't know, I spent half your time injured there, so there's not really... Yeah, like, yeah. That's tough as well. Yeah. You spend your time in the rehab groups. Um how did you deal with that oh yeah it sucked because especially if we had a healthy list most of the time half the time you're in there by yourself or with one bloke yeah. it's always harder to do stuff by yourself so it was tough it was very tough actually but um talk us through that through the just through the uh, barriers you had to deal with well you got so many steps to get through like and because it's elite sport you do everything to the to the number to the letter you want to just get out there money on the rookie list one year contracts you sort of just if you know you're good you're first to go so and that's hard obviously because you are on the one year deal just and what was that like just you're, you're injured you're on a one year deal it's it's nearly like a ticking time bomb like you just don't know what's going on yeah well it is oh, first year I had a pretty good first year so I knew I could probably get another year so I got that and then it was just second year it was just one thing after another and then the VFL alignment just had the stupidest rule it mm. only played 15 listed blokes oh. we had a healthy list so you had got four or five blokes playing VFL twos yeah. mm. as AFL footballers like good luck playing against yeah. effectively tradies that's yeah. Um, yeah that's pretty difficult and what's that what was that like showing up on a VFL match day and having to run around before the twos. Yeah. Oh, pretty embarrassing at times. <laughs> not because, like, the blokes at Sandy were really good fellas, but I'm not here to kick the dew off the grass. I'm yeah. here to yeah. Yeah. play show time at two o'clock. Yep, and not, that's, yeah, that's fair enough. Not past nine, so, so 
Yeah, it was annoying, frustrating. Yeah. That would have been hard as well, playing for Sandy and coming up against boys that are playing at like Williamstown that you've played against growing up through juniors and stuff. You would have no doubt played against some boys that you knew your AFL listed. They're running around after working a, a seven to five job. Yeah, definitely annoying. And you're <laughs> playing with a couple of, bo- couple of boys in our hoppers, like we're playing against each other. And then I'm on an AFL list and they're at uni yeah. and we're both playing the same level of footy. Mm. It's frustrating and then because I should be in the VFL yeah. trying to get a game in the AFL. Yeah. Where it's just not happening for me. So definitely very frustrating and annoying and how um how close did you come to the senior list? Was the conversation ever had or uh, conversation was never had, I suppose, to get on the senior list, but nearly nearly played during the season because of injuries and then fate strikes and I get injured that week too and fuck bust my foot so it was just sort of a never ending thing. I could feel it and then it's just injured. Did you get close to even just like just being a part of the captain's run would have been awesome yeah. did you ever get that well, experience we had sort of this sandy on the same day yep. both playing saturdays you'd all just sort of train together so yep. okay but they're just sort of a bit of a kick and giggle day really just to get the body right so yeah, we've had a few captain's runs and do all your rehab together and recovery so you're definitely with a lot of the group a lot of the time you're there I guess as well, you've never really had your shortage of injuries through your career, so you've definitely had a few when you were playing juniors and you've had a few yep. on that list. I guess, what's the difference between the rehab system when you're playing at an elite level compared to back here or even where you are now? Uh, local footy, you're doing a lot of it by yourself. Yeah. And it's just sort of trusting your own judgment rather than uh, AFL level, you're injured, you've got a rehab guy with you the whole time. Checking, you get physio twice a day, massage. You, know, you are treated like a Rolls Royce. Mm. We're here, you're just a dirt rally car. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, your time at St Kilda came to an end. Um, when did you know you were going to get delisted? I reckon I knew probably halfway through the season. Mm. <laughs> this was going to be it. And there was a couple of us. So there's me, Josh Saunders. Eli Templeton, we all yeah. by then hanging out with each other. This is we knew that this was going to happen, but until I actually said it, it was like, oh god, like this is actually this is over. Yeah. What was that conversation like? Was it with Ross? No, we had Richo. Alan Rich- oh yeah, time, Richo. So yep. Yeah, the exit meetings weren't that great, <laughs> just because got in there, sat down, not going to give another contract and. That was it, really. Yeah. Sign a few papers, pack the locker, and <laughs> thanks for coming. Yeah, leave the long drive home to Seaford. Oh yeah, yeah, very long. Um, what was that transition like for you back into the real world? Did the club help you out in any way, or? Well, the players' association helped you out. Yeah, they were really good. But yeah, sort of deal with a little bit from the footy club, but they're a business. They've got their own sort of yep. shit to worry about. So. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I don't know, it was good to get out finally, I suppose, because yep. it had been a tough couple of years, physically and mentally, so now it's just sort of, I don't know, it's done, it's, it's 
see what else we can get onto. Yep. And go on. No, I was just going to say, do you really feel like you bounced back from that? Like, hit the ground running, I'm going to find myself somewhere to play now, or you just kind of you mold around it no, a little bit? Just sort of moped around for yeah. probably a couple of weeks, just come back home. Mm. Didn't do a lot. I mean, a few meetings with footy clubs, but even yeah. then I was a uh, sort of just want to play because I still wasn't sure if I wanted to try and get picked up again. Mm. I did, I didn't. I did, yeah. I didn't. So sort of ummed and ahed for a while. And then, so yeah, it was just sort of a bit of a, a, bit of a nothing period there for a while. Yeah. Didn't know what I wanted. So, yeah. You um, you hit the ground, you end up at North Ballarat in the VFL. What was that year like? Was that the last year North were in the competition yeah. as well? Last year, I mean, it was just a disaster of a year. And it's, it's just loss after loss. Brutally honest, it was just a waste of my, one of my footballing seasons. Mm. I just yep. pissed it away. So, But live and you learn with those mistakes. I had, I had my time again. Probably listened to a few more people. But I decided to go on my own judgment and it backfired. So. What were your options? Um, the sort of Werribee, Port Melbourne, Box Hill, North Ballarat. Yeah. So all those other three clubs went on and played finals and won one game for the year. <laughs> why'd, you, why'd you head out north? Well, I was going to go to uni in Ballarat, but then I was at uni for like two weeks and ended up working in Essendon. <laughs> um, shot myself in the foot there, so oh, yeah. I could have going to Werribee or Port or Box Hill so yeah, it was just sort of a, a rushed decision in the end and well, wanted to have a home but didn't really feel like a home I guess as well someone definitely on the outside of footy like I know roughly what happened at North Ballarat but they did seem to be quite an established VFL club or even just a general football club for a long time did you ever have like a, was, was there real knowledge that something was going wrong there probably before you rocked up or did yeah, it just I read did articles and stuff like that. And you sort of knew they had money troubles, but you know, oh, I can't be that bad. And then, then you get there and you're the like, oh god, what's <laughs> happening here? And I still believe, like, again, had my injuries during the year. Yeah. By the end of the year, I'm fit and healthy and not getting picked. Uh, so oh, like, this yeah. is enough. And then that was me done. And then, mm. so yeah, I just, just gave up in the end at that place because. It's just shit. And you did you did go on to prove them wrong in not picking you while you were fit and healthy. Um, you did have a little bit of an injury interrupted year when you went up to Queensland with Southport. So um, what was that like playing NEFL footy against the four AFL aligned clubs up there? Um, well, NEFL footy is really good footy, mm. and everyone says oh, NEFL's no good. Well, you got such a broad area, and people are travelling to come play your footy club. So yeah, Neefel was a really good footy, and yeah, Southport's just the best club. And I guess as well, I just wanted to figure out, especially you coming from Victoria, very AFL orientated state. Your family, very AFL orientated family. Was it a bit of a transition you going from this to go play footy in a state where they don't even know what AFL is? Yeah, well, so Thursday night, waiting for the footy show to come on. Yeah. Rugby and beyond. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the footy, what is it? Thursday night footy yeah. up there, and then Friday night, money at the <laughs> AFL on, but rugby's on Channel 9. Oh, yeah. And then you wouldn't even get footy on a, 
on Channel 7 on a Sunday Arvo. Unless a Queensland side was playing in Queensland. Was, this is rubbish. So, um, yeah, it's definitely pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. We were living, the Titans were just sort of up the road. So, oh, going to watch a bit of their training yeah. every now and then. And there's meatheads, those blokes. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, Big tough boys, as nails. So. It was definitely a very different experience. <laughs> City loft would have been pretty fun up there, but up on the Gold Coast, yeah, that would have oh, been nice. What was that good, like? Good weather. I think it, it didn't rain all winter up there. It was just 20-odd degrees, oh. sunny. Just playing footy in the most perfect weather. So That's yeah, awesome. Beautiful part of the world. Well, you reckon you're more of a perfect condition player or a wet weather player? Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't even get out of the car when it's raining. <laughs> um... <laughs> That 2018 year at Southport, obviously you won you won the flag. What was that like beating the Swans on Grand Final day? Oh yeah, it was. We were the best best side all year, but Grand Final day itself was pretty chaotic with having a head count at the start of the last quarter, and we thought we'd lost our score, but then we didn't lose our score, so hmm. so we won. But yeah, it was. First premiership for Southport in the NEFL, so that's a pretty huge. landmark occasion, I suppose. Yeah. Put Southport back on the map after a couple of couple of lean years, but full of good people, good coaches, good players. So. And there's some pretty good like AFL standard coaches up there. What were they like? Uh, well, our coach was Steve Daniel, who was a Gold Coast sort of development coach. Skinny Matty Lappin. Yep. Carlton legend, assistant coach. We had Aaron Cornelius, who played at the Lions. And now, I think now they've got Matty Primus as another assistant coach. So it's just becoming the Suns' feeder home, really. If they, once they get delisted, they go to Southport. So they'll be successful for a long time. Well, that's, that's always a positive. At least you're a part of that first team. Life membership up there. You're on the yeah, honour board. Right. <laughs> um, that would have been fun. What was the transition like coming? Uh, was it only one season up at Southport, yeah, and then one and then back down to Victoria, where you went to Hoppers? What was the thought process behind that, and going to the WRFL over local teams, where I dare say Backsmarsh and Melton would have both wanted you as a one pointer? Um, the move sort of come back with with uni, so me and. Girlfriend both got uni offers, so we desperately wanted to stay up there and I still wish we were up there. <laughs> but we both have both got jobs to do down here. But um, a fair few of the blokes I played Jets with her at Hoppers and they sort of made contact and I sort of had my mind set up there that I wanted to reconnect with a few blokes that I'd played junior footy with. So And now, yeah, it's just... Good club, at, good club at Hoppers, good people, and yeah, I'm really, really happy I made that decision. And the league is a good standard of footy. Obviously, I've had Deer Park in the last seven grand finals yeah. through some other reasonings. <laughs> well, but, um, they can't win it this yeah, year, so that's right. But credit to them, they've kept their players. They've seven flags. You still have to be good enough to win it, so. Yeah. Um, team of the year last year. Yeah, what was year. what was that like? Just your first individual accolade in in basically a, what is nearly a professional league. Like yeah, it's that well, good. Um, yeah, just a bit of 
just a reward, a bit of a reward for myself for playing a whole, finally a whole season of footy since probably under 18s. Yeah. Can just show uh, I'm good enough to get the ball, kick a goal, and just know that I am still a good footballer. Not worrying about getting injured. It's just played every game. It's just just nice for the soul to be able to know that yeah. can do it. Just. Well, moving on to this year, what's it like to really have so much time off footy because of what's happening with the COVID? Oh, it's great. <laughs> I think yeah, I was going to look at probably having a year off footy anyway in the next couple of years, and yeah. this is kind of a perfect time. So it's a crazy world we live in at the minute. So mm. the AFL boys are in a bit of strife, and mm. our footy was always going to get called off with us. Yeah. Just so hard to police the people. So. Oh, yeah. But they. Um, yeah, we'll do a lot of people the world of good, I think. No footy this year and hook back in next year. and yeah. Be good for the body too. Yeah, good for the body. and Extend the create season forward a little right, bit, you right. know, get a bit more in. Um, what's next? Do you have any plans on maybe going back to the VFL or what are your, what are your football plans first and foremost? No, I think that ship's truly, truly left port now. Quite happy playing local footy we rock up for training at five to six in the car by court to eight twice a week play a game of footy and go home that's all I really need at the minute because yeah. have got uni going on just footy can take a backward step now there's more to life than footy and yeah. while the money's nice it's just good to get in get out yeah. do, you, do you see yourself taking another probably interstate gig or Oh, not in there. Not soon, but maybe one day it'd be nice to get back on the Gold Coast and oh, yeah. live up there. And got, we made better mates up there in one year than I had a couple of years down here. So yeah. it just shows the quality of people in different environments. So, so yeah, it's hard not seeing good mates that you talk to nearly every day still, but yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Well, thank you for your time, Brenton. It's good to hear from you. Um, as well, if anyone wants to reach out, we'd love to hear stories. Um, cool. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Ollie Powell and Josh Calvito. Don't forget to like and follow at Beer With Mates on Facebook and Instagram. With special thanks to the Backsmash Footy Club and the Backsmash Cricket Club for allowing us to record in the club rooms. Don't forget, if anything is wrong, don't be afraid to talk.